Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. In this week's episode, we got the Week 12 recap for you guys. We're going to be recapping less than usual because we already recapped the Thanksgiving games on Friday's episode. So if you haven't listened to that, be sure to go tune in. Nevertheless, we are going to be recapping six games that are worth talking about as playoffs come closer and closer. First, let's talk about my only bet that hit last week. That was the Patriots against the Titans. Um, I learned a lot of lessons from betting last week. My first is probably just don't bet on bad teams. Um, I bet on the Panthers and the Texans besides that, and those whiffed tremendously. Um, Sorry, guys. Lost y'all some money. But to be fair, I did say I was most confident in the Patriots bet. Before I get into any recapping of any of the games, I have something very important to talk about, and that is mental health. If you guys know someone who is struggling with mental health, please reach out to them. Please, please don't let it go unnoticed. And please just let them know they have all the help in the world um, because they do. There are so many resources available to any given person. It doesn't matter how rich, poor, or where you are in the world. Um, There's always a resource available to you. Mental health is something that I have struggled with. And I know a lot of people, especially during the times of COVID, have most definitely struggled with. If you guys are dealing with any sort of emotions, any thoughts of suicide, please be sure to reach out to 1-800-273-TALK. Again, that is 1-800-273-TALK. There's professionals all times a day, 24-7. Just don't do anything rash. The signs for it can be harder than you think. A lot of the times when people are struggling with issues like this, they don't immediately show it. Um, I'm trying to avoid getting emotional here, but mental health is more important than any other thing in the world as long as you're comfortable with yourself you can be comfortable with any given situation and i just want to let you guys know if you are ever struggling with any sort of issues you can please reach out to me because i want to help my viewers as much as i can i want them to know that they are not alone in their struggles and i also want them to know that there's always worth something worth fighting for there's never a a, any under any circumstances a good reason to give up there's always something to worth living for and as someone who has struggled with mental health a lot i can attest that i know it can be really hard but it's not just as easy as keeping your head up it's a lot easier said than done and i'm well aware of that but but um man this is hard uh please 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 take care of your friends and family of course mental health is important for all but it affects men more than it affects women men are more less likely to reach out and get help so i know a lot of you guys listening to this are a majority men i can see the demographics on my podcast um i see not the particular person who views my podcast but i can see things like age gender how long you guys listen to these pods. Um, If there's any podcast that you guys are going to listen or share to with a friend, please let it be this one because, again, mental health is my absolute number one priority. And if you know someone who's struggling, please, please don't reach out before it's too late because you may regret it. And, again, just check in on your friends and family. Make sure everyone's doing all right during these hard times as COVID continues to play its toll across our country, across our world. And again, guys, just don't be scared. There's 
always something to fight for. And if you need help, it's closer than you think. So look up resources on your computer. Um, look up resources in your area. If you're a student, I'm sure that there are resources on your campuses. At least I hope so. So again, just keep fighting, guys. Um, I'm here for you to the end. If you need any help with anything at all, do not be hesitant to reach out to me. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Again, mental health is my absolute number one priority above anything else in the world. Obviously, friends and family are very important, but with that comes mental health. So make sure you check in on your friends. Make sure you check in on your family. Make sure everyone's doing all right. And don't be scared to check in on yourself because it's okay to be in denial that you don't need help, that everything is all right. But it's also okay to say sometimes, you know, everything is not all right. And I just need to talk to someone and everyone can use a little reinsurance every now and then. So again, if you're having any any problems with mental health, please reach out to the resources that you have. There's more available than you'd think. And if you're having any suicidal thoughts, again, reach out to 1-800-273-TALK for 24-7 representatives, and they will help you in your guidance through your struggles. Again, stay strong, guys, and keep your heads up. All right. With that out of the way, sorry, that's, I just, I had to address it. Um, it's been a really long month for me here if you guys know me you know i've been dealing with some some issues and i'm not making it um a victim game i'm not blaming anybody it's no one's fault at all um things just happen and sometimes you know your mental can be a little offset by that all right all right try not to get emotional here we're gonna get straight into the first game that i'm gonna be recapping for you guys and it's gonna be patriots versus titans First, I gotta give I gotta give credit to the Titans for keeping it close for three quarters. Uh, they only had three active wide receivers on their roster, which is absolutely ridiculous. I've never heard of a situation like this. It was very clear Tannehill wasn't familiar with these guys. Uh, he had under a hundred yards passing, and it was pretty clear that Mike Vrabel didn't want him to do too much, just because again. He knows he's a smart coach. He knows Ryan Tannehill's not very familiar with these guys, but they ran the ball very efficiently. I mean, two guys ran for over 100 yards. They had 270 total rushing yards, which you would think would have helped them control the game and manage it, but it didn't, <laughs> at least especially in the fourth quarter. But in through the third quarter, they kept the game very close with this strategy, and it did work. It was only close until it wasn't, and when it wasn't, it fell apart very, very quickly. Ryan Tannehill did throw a very unlucky pick in the red zone. Not saying the receiver should have caught it, but JC Jackson was just in the right place at the right time. He does that a lot. If you've noticed the film on JC Jackson, a lot of his picks are from tipped balls. A lot of his picks are from overthrown balls, but that's what a great cornerback does at some point. It's not just luck. It's just pure skill. He's an absolute ball hawk. He always seems to get his hands on his ball at the right, uh, excuse me, always seems to get his hands on the ball at the right time. And overall, I was pretty impressed with the Titans with how many injuries they had. And the score doesn't show how close this game was at all, because obviously it was like a 23 point difference by the end of the game. But in typical Patriots fashion, turnovers ended up being the big difference here. Patriots are just continuing to play mistake-free football led by Mac Jones. Patriots had zero total turnovers in this game, and the Titans had four. So again, it's very hard to win a game when you have four total turnovers in the team that you're playing has absolutely none. As far as the Patriots side of the ball, they just continue their role. They can't wait to see, or excuse me, I can't wait to see them play the Bills next week. I think the Patriots should be favored in this game. And again, they just continue to play mistake-free, well-rounded football. They practically have no weaknesses. 
If anything, they don't have that over-the-top explosive element in their passing game, but that's never really how they run things. Even when Brady was there, there was never really that element of over-the-top offense. Even when it was, it was when Randy Moss was there. Sure, you can argue that, but they didn't win Super Bowls during those years. That's never really been their formula to winning championships, especially as the weather gets worse and January gets closer and closer. And a majority of their playoff games during those runs were played at home. So again, it wasn't really an element. But in general, they want to just two clock, control the game, be surgical, having long drives and just wear defenses down. It's working very well for them right now with how mistake free they're playing. And I seriously think they're the best team in the AFC right now. Yes, the entire AFC, that includes the Bills, that includes the Chiefs, that includes everyone. That I think that they are well-deserving of that number one seed right now, which I believe they're half a game or one game behind uh, the Baltimore Ravens right now, who are first in the AFC, which, of course, not saying they aren't deserving of it, but if they faced head-to-head next week, I would have to say the Patriots would be my favorite in that game. Moving on to the next game that I want to recap for you guys is going to be the Buccaneers versus the Colts. This game went very similar to how I thought it would have. It was very high scoring, very, very fun to watch, and it was very close until the very end. Um, A lot of varies there. Sorry, I just, that was a weird way to put that. Unlike the turnovers in the Patriots games, there was a key difference in this game. The Colts had five total turnovers and the Bucks had two. So if anything, I was very impressed with the Colts to keep it this close, even with all those mistakes they had. And if they cut down on those, they could seriously beat any given team on any given week. This team is very much still deserving of a playoff spot. And I got to say, I love this team. They, they're just playing great football. But beyond that, they've got a great GM in, in Chris Ballard. They've got a great coach in Frank Reich. And they have some really, really great personnel between their offensive line, their defensive line, some of their defensive guys such as Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner. I mean, they just have stars all over the place. And this team is going to be around for a long, long time. The Colts should be happy to be in good hands in their future and of course they have a franchise quarterback in my opinion and Carson Wentz so if Colts Colts fans would have rather won this game but I would be happy with how competitive it was we've even with all those mistakes that your team made and if you can clean those up this team could get very deep in the playoffs I mean it they can compete with absolutely anyone in the AFC they're going to give anyone a run for their money in the AFC and if they can just make it into the dance in the playoffs they're going to be a dangerous dangerous team As far as the Buccaneers go, they still have some issues to address. I mean, first and most obvious, they need to get their guys back and healthy and keep them healthy. Gronk, they need to keep Gronk healthy. If Gronk is healthy, that's obviously one more safety blanket that Brady just significantly plays better with. Other guys need to get healthy like Antonio Brown because, again, those are Brady's safety blankets. It's crazy that even the most savvy veteran QB in this league still relies on those guys so, so heavily, but again... It makes sense. I mean, Gronk played a great game. And on a positive note, they looked much more balanced in this game. They established their run game. Leonard Fournette is playing really, really well. And again, Leonard Fournette always seems to play his best ball, whether it was when he was on the Jaguars or whether last year in the playoffs, he always seems to play his best ball once the playoffs are nearing or they're here. So again, if they can just keep that established, then I think they're going to be very set for the playoffs. This is still a team that I'm trusting tremendously between Tom Brady and some of their star power there because... Again, I'm not saying they're the best team in the NFC right now. I think the Packers own that title, but I mean, we've seen them do it before and they're certainly on pace to do it again. They're, they're winning in very similar ways that they did last year. So overall, I'm still not feeling like they're the best team in the NFC. I'm not saying that they can't be, but 
again, I just think the Packers are playing so well on all sides of the ball. And again, I'm not counting out this team by any means. In conclusion, both of these teams are very good, and I think they can make it very deep into the playoffs. I think that, I mean, we could even see both of these teams playing in LA in February, so I wouldn't count it out. But again, just a great game. Colts fans have a lot to look forward to, and Buccaneers fans should still be very excited about the roster they have and the team they have there in Tampa Bay. Moving on to the next game, we've got the Vikings versus the Niners. This is the third straight win for the Niners after their 3-5 and five start, and the Niners look very similar to the year they made their Super Bowl run. Their division is just significantly better, which obviously constricts a lot what they can do. It can't really have the NFC playoff picture run through San Francisco like it did that one year, which obviously is a huge help because no one wants to go on the road during the playoffs. But, I mean, in the way that they're playing similar to the Super Bowl, they're just constricting the hell out of teams by running the hell out of the ball, managing Garoppolo, and playing sound bend but don't break defense. This is just how they keep game scripts favorable towards them. This is all great until you break too many times, and they almost broke a few a few times in this game defensively, I mean, but ultimately it was just the difference in the time of possession that made the difference in this game and their ability to slow down that Vikings run game. I mean, 37 minutes of possession for San Fran absolutely limits what any opponent can do. And But again, that's their winning formula, especially in a very weak and top-heavy NFC. I think this team could certainly be contending for a playoff spot and ultimately earn a playoff spot. I think they will, based on what I've seen the past few weeks. But in the same regard, it's amazing that the Vikings kept it this close, and in my opinion... of Wait, what? I don't know what I was trying to say in my notes here, but that's okay. I still love a lot of the Vikings personnel, and I love the way that Kirk Cousins is playing. I like their coaching and... Um, Mike Zimmer. I still think this is a playoff team as well. I still think they can make that sixth seed, but of course, I think this is the difference between who gets that fifth seed and that sixth seed. I think because, or sorry, sixth and seventh seed, I should say, because the Rams are going to get the fifth seed, in my opinion. But and now it's looking like the Niners are going to secure that sixth seed if everything can keep rolling the way they're rolling it. And I think the Vikings are all set to get that seventh seed. Either way, I think we're still looking at the last two wildcard teams other than the Rams. I think the real question is the Rams, can they stop their slide? And they should be able to bounce back this week against Jacksonville. I mean, you'd hope. But with the Niners beating them earlier this year, they really aren't far behind. So in conclusion, I think the Niners have found a formula similar to the one they executed in their Super Bowl run. And Excuse me. And they're executing it very well right now. But the Vikings in an ideal world would have liked to run the ball and chew their, their own clock more. But I thought they could have stayed a little more patient with the run game. But then again, Kirk Cousins throws a pick in his own territory to start the third quarter. That was a huge difference in this game. I'm not saying you have to blame Kirk Cousins for this loss. I'm just saying this is a real play, playoff atmosphere game and the margin for error, especially against a team like San Francisco, who we knows limits their mistakes, choose clock. Mistakes like that are just so crucial, and it really was the difference in this game. Of course, it still came down to the very last possession, and the Vikings still had a shot to win it all. So again, if anything, I'm very impressed with them to keep it this close with those mistakes made by Kirk Cousins. But again... If he doesn't make that mistake, who knows? They could have gone out with this win, and it's just so crucial you don't make mistakes like that in games like this, in atmospheres like this, because come playoff football, you will not be able to afford mistakes like that. The teams are just too good. The games are too competitive, and especially against a team like San Francisco who can just chew the hell out of the clock. Of course, 
a Niners missed field goal helped that Vikings game being so close as well. But regardless, these are two playoff teams, and I think we will be watching them in January. <laughs> Moving on to the Rams versus the Packers. This game was massive for a couple of reasons. One, this is the type of game that the Rams went all in for. This is why you got Stafford. This is why you got OBJ. This is why you got Von Miller. I mean, all in the last calendar year, all these guys have been I've been added to the roster. Of course, Von Miller and OBJ have been added within the past three weeks. But this game just felt very similar to the game they lost last year in Green Bay in the playoffs. I mean, they're slightly beat up quarterback with a better roster. Couldn't keep up with a slightly beat up quarterback in his own building. That's just basically what happened. Of course, in a perfect world, you'd play in your own building. But nothing's perfect right now. And they're looking like they won't have a single playoff game in their own building come playoffs. Because, again, they're still behind the Cardinals in their own division. It's not really looking like they're going to be able to catch up. I'm not saying that they can't. But as these losses just add up and add up and add up. It's going to get harder and harder. And of course, the Super Bowl is in LA, but that's assuming they'd make it there in the first place. So yes, I believe the Rams have some serious issues on their hands. And of course, I'm not saying to ring all the alarms, but maybe ring some of the alarms. Again, this is the type of game you went all in for. Playoff atmosphere against a contending team in their own conference. And they, you know, they fell on their faces. And that's just not acceptable in an all-in year like this. Number two, this game has massive implications for playoff football. The Packers and the Cardinals just keep distancing themselves from competition, and the Rams are getting further and further from winning their division. Again, with all these assets invested in winning now, it is really, really scary for what it could be for the future. I'm not sure most of us are aware the Rams are still paying two quarterbacks. They're paying Matthew Stafford's salary, and they're still paying part of Jared Goff's salary. And much, much more. They're paying so many people right now. I mean, between the Woods extension, Cooper Cup's extension, Ramsey's under contract, Aaron Donald's under contract, their books are going to be very, very tight the next few years. And it's going to make for very limited depth in their roster, which they already have. That's one of their main issues. And it's going to make it very hard to continue to add talent. And they're going to be having to compensate in a lot of different positions with guys that are taking much less money. And of course, when you're paying people less money, that most often means they're less talented. So again, I'm a little worried about this team's future. And while these guys are locked up and extremely talented, if they can't win together, it really doesn't matter at all. That's that's all it comes down to. Sure, you can have the star-studded roster with Stafford and Woods coming back next year in Cup and Aaron Donald's still there and Jalen Ramsey's going to be there for a few years. But again, if they can't win together, what's it all for? Nothing. And overall, this game says a lot more about the Rams, in my opinion, than it does the Packers. We already knew the Packers should be favorites to make the Super Bowl and they're playing like the best team in football right now. But we weren't sure if the Rams could bounce back in Lambeau. And well, they showed us we can't. Well, lucky for them, the league dropped a perfect punching bag in their laps with Jacksonville, so hopefully they should just beat the snot out of them and just take out all their anger on those guys. But again, I am a little concerned about this team. It's not looking like a Super Bowl contender. I'm not saying that they're going to miss the playoffs by any means because, of course, they still have seven wins. They started the year extremely hot, and they should most definitely make a playoff spot. But it's not looking like a Super Bowl contender right now. And again, this is the year that they invested all their assets in to make that Super Bowl push. So for the future, I am a little concerned about this team. 
Moving on to the next game I need to talk about is the Broncos versus the Chargers. Let's just start by saying the Broncos, in a lot of ways, are a mismatch for the overly Herbert-reliant Chargers team, and they may be the kryptonite that prevents the Chargers from making the playoffs, which is as crazy as it sounds. I wouldn't expect this team to be the team that gives the Chargers the biggest troubles because the Chargers were 2-0 in their division before this game, but regardless... The AFC West is just great. I mean, on a side note, it's been extremely fun to watch throughout this season. And it's the only division with every team over 500. Although the the NFC, or excuse me, the AFC North is damn close. Both the Browns and Steelers are at 500. But back to the game at hand, the Chargers match up terribly with the Broncos. The Broncos are very efficient running the ball. And the Chargers have been awful against the run all game. And the Broncos have great defensive back play and depth to deal with Herbert and the weapons on the perimeter. They've proven they can shut down some elite passing offenses in this year already. We saw it with the Cowboys and we're still thinking that they're going to make the playoffs, but if and when, or excuse me, I'm still thinking they're not going to make the playoffs. This is the Broncos that is, but if and when they land an upgrade at quarterback, this team should be ready to go and this division is going to be more entertaining than it already is. Either way, there's still a lot to play for. There's still or ho- Playoff hopes are very much still alive, as are the Chargers, and I think this division is just going to be such a nail-biter down to the very end of it. As far as the Chargers side of the ball, they have some great things to learn from this film. They actually had possession a majority of the game, but it didn't feel like it at all. I mean, Herbert just made too many mistakes, but at the same time, again, the Chargers are just so reliant on him to make plays, you almost can't blame him all the time. Still lacking a solid running game. They really need another running back to complement Eckler in that backfield. It looked too much like the Chargers of last year. Herbert faced too much pressure. They had too many penalties. And they weren't nearly as efficient as they needed to be. And you got to credit the Broncos because they were efficient. I mean, if you look at the third down conversion rate, they were only... This is the Chargers. The Chargers were only 7 for 14 on third downs compared to the Broncos, 8 and 11. So the Broncos were forcing them off the field half the time, and the Chargers couldn't force punts out of the Broncos a majority of the time. So again, that's just not a very good statistic. And they need other weapons to step up. Outside of Keenan Allen, other receivers aren't getting enough usage, which is, of course, a coaching problem, but they aren't creating enough separation either. Mike Williams. Mike Williams has been that guy forever. He's not really a separator necessarily. He's just very reliant on his physical ability to get up and over DBs, make big plays over the top, and it's not very sustainable. Again, I was worried about this earlier in the year. Mike relies too much on just blowing by someone or just simply being more of a physical specimen than them and it's not sustainable especially against secondaries like this which are very well disciplined very talented and that cover three that the broncos really like to run seemed to confuse justin herbert a bit and again he's still a young quarterback he's entitled to be confused every now and then you can't always expect him to put the team on his back as amazing as he is and they need guys to step up like William, like Mike Williams, like Josh Palmer, who they spent a third-round pick on this last year in the draft, and he really hasn't done that much this year. So again, I just need to see a little bit more because we know how explosive this offense can be when it's clicking on all cylinders, and it just didn't look like it was clicking on any cylinders in this game. Moving on to the final game I'm going to be talking about this week. We got the Browns versus the Ravens. Well, this game was just absolutely ugly as hell. I've been saying this for three weeks or so, but Baker needs to shut it down. If he's not going to do it for his team, he's got to do it for himself. I mean, 
it's very hard to convince the front office to give him an extension right now with the way he's playing. And even if he does, it's going to be significantly less money than he would have made even six weeks ago if you just evaluated him then. So yeah, it's crazy how fast things can change in the NFL. But in reality, you got to pay people for what they're worth. And Baker Mayfield is simply not worth paying a huge extension right now and he is absolutely well first off he's not playing great football but of course he's hindering himself he's injured he's beat up he's hindering his team and there's just a bunch of problems with the Browns right now and it all starts at quarterback and I seriously think that some coaching someone in that coaching staff needs to tell Baker to shut it down he needs to tell Baker to cool his head a little bit because of course he's He's an elite competitor. He's got a little bit of cockiness about him, which can be very helpful and it's signature to his game. But at the end of the day, it's just hurting his team and his pay. And long term, he's going to regret that he's still playing right now because he could be making a lot more money if he wasn't. All right. So that's all the games I got to talk about. I don't think that was six. I don't think that was six. I said I was going to talk about six games. Was that six games? Did I just cover six games? That was five, right? Wait, one, two, three. Four, five. No, that was six. I really thought I was missing a game. Wow, I got that. I got through that pretty fucking quick. All right, good shit. So I've gone away from fantasy football way too much the past couple podcasts. Uh, I know fantasy is a lot of your guys' sweetheart. Uh, I'm not doing too hot in a lot of my leagues. I'm dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. No excuses though. I'm. I could have been a better manager. I could have drafted better. We all make mistakes. Regardless, I'm still here to help you guys throughout your fantasy needs. And first, we're going to start with some guys you should be targeting on the waiver wire because, of course, with playoffs coming around, with all these injuries piling up, there are a ton of very valuable options that you guys may find on the waiver wire. My first waiver wire priority and my first two guys that I'm going to be picking up because they are kind of 1A and 1B simply because they're on the same team is going to be Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard. I'm kind of assuming Foreman's already owned. If you listen to my podcast right when Henry got injured, I was telling you to snag him up, and he's been performing pretty well. I've got him in a couple teams, but Dontrell Hilliard got some really good work this week. Uh, He turned one, I think it was like a 60-yard touchdown run. That's where most of his production came from, but regardless, he still got 12 touches. He was practically splitting touches (coughs) with Deontay Foreman, so I think there's value in a lot of these guys especially with all these receivers being beat up for Tennessee right now. It's very clear they're going to run the hell out of the ball. They're going to manage Ryan Tannehill as they should just because, again, they only have three active receivers on their roster last week. That's a game script to run the shit out of the ball. And with Julio still being beat up with A.J. Brown being on the IR now, I think they're going to continue to establish the run even with Derrick Henry being gone. And I think Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard can be great waiver wire pickups for you guys. So make sure they're not owned, and that should be your absolute first priority if you're looking for for a running back. Second, we've got Chuba Hubbard. Again, this is kind of a 1A, 1B before I say anything else. We got Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah. So unfortunate that Christian McCaffrey is out for the year. It really does screw me over in a couple leagues, but that's okay. We've got guys to pick up for him. He'll be back next year. I'm, I just feel really bad for the player as a whole. He can't really keep himself healthy. You never like to see that with players because he's so talented. The league is better when he's around. And of course, his team is better when he's around too. But regardless, it opens up opportunities for other guys. I think Chuba Hubbard should be the first guy you're reaching for because we saw him get the majority of the workload when Christian was out the first time. But Amir Abdullah is definitely a viable option, especially if you're in PPR, half PPR scoring formats. He's catching a lot of balls 
and he was getting a lot more touches than I would have thought that last game. So again, it's kind of who you like more, kind of who you want to prioritize more. Me personally, I like Chuba just a bit more, but again, both of these guys are vi valuable pickups and they should be second on your priorities for waiver pickups. By the way, this is only running backs. This I'm focusing on running backs right now. I'll talk about the receivers in just a second. Next, we got Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift is nursing a shoulder injury, I believe it was. I think it was a shoulder. That was on Thanksgiving. It was against my Bears. I should know this. I think it was a shoulder. Let me know if I'm wrong. I'm like 90% sure. But regardless, Jamal Williams should step into that immediate RB ro RB1 role in that offense. We, they've already shown that they can efficiently run the ball. Their offensive line is arguably their best part about their team. And Jared Goff is, you know, not a great passer and he doesn't have a lot of weapons to throw to. So he should be throwing the ball, checking down a lot to Jamal Williams. He should be getting a majority of the touches in the run game. I do expect them to slightly use a committee because they're not just going to make immediately Jamal Williams their bell count back, but he should be, he should still see a majority of the touches and he should be the most efficient back in this backfield. He was already very efficient in certain game scripts when DeAndre was there. So again, his value is only increasing here. He's only owned in about 44% of NFL leagues, if I'm not mistaken. So he should be available in a majority of your leagues. The only reason why he's not higher on this list in terms of my priorities is because DeAndre could be back in just a couple of weeks, but it sounds like he is going to be out this week. So again, definitely someone you're going to be wanting to target. The next guy we got here is Ty Johnson. He is the backup to Michael Carter in New York for the Jets. Michael Carter is dealing with, I believe, a knee injury, or it's like an MCL. It's something in his knee, I believe. Um, he's supposed to be out two to three weeks, and Ty Johnson should immediately get an increased role in this offense. He was already getting a decent workload as far as receiving and running the ball. It was almost a 50-50 split. It was more like 60-40 towards Michael Carter, but again... I do expect Tevin Coleman to steal some work from Ty Johnson, but Ty Johnson just seems to be the guy they like more there, and it's someone that I'm prioritizing. Again, maybe you can add Tevin Coleman as like a 1A, 1B situation, kind of like what we have with Shuba Hubbard, Amir Abdullah, Dondre, Don, wait, Dontrell Hilliard, and Deontay Foreman, that kind of deal. So again, if Ty Johnson's already owned your league, it might be worth picking up Tevin Coleman. All right, moving on to the wide receivers. My first wide receiver that we're going to be picking up and prioritizing is Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne is not owned in nearly enough leagues, and he's been very consistent for this New England Patriots offense. He's arguably been the wide receiver one. He's getting not as much opportunity, per se, as some of the other guys, but he's turning it into very big plays. He's been a touchdown machine the past couple of weeks, and he's shown elite athleticism, elite yards after the catch. Um, elite contested catch ability. He's just doing everything the Patriots are asking for them. He's playing excellent football. And I definitely think it's someone worth adding to your roster if you're weak at the wide receiver position. And again, he's barely owned. And I was surprised how little owned, excuse me, how little leagues he was owned in. So he's more than likely available in your league. So it's definitely worth putting a waiver wire pickup in for today. Next, we got Van Jefferson. He had nine targets last game, even though most of his points did come in one play nine targets is very encouraging he's kind of moving into that robert woods role um and they we know how much they love to air out the ball there in la we know how much they love in their wide receiver their excuse me their wide receiver sets with three guys out there and van jefferson is absolutely that third guy right now even if obj is role is increasing he's going to get more and more targets van jefferson's established he's been there matthew stafford knows him very well 
He's had this entire season and offseason to adapt to him. So Van Jefferson is someone who we've seen the big play out of him. And it's definitely someone worth adding if you're weak at the wide receiver position and these other guys aren't available. Excuse me. Next, we got Nick Westbrook Ikini. This is a wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. Again, as I said earlier, Tennessee Titans are extremely, extremely thin at the receiver position right now. And I think Nick Westbrook Ikini should benefit from that. He's the one guy who's been there for fairly long. He's the one guy who Tannehill has targeted a few times in key moments. And he probably is the most familiar with. Again, I don't expect to much upside here because I don't think excuse me I thought I was going to sneeze but I don't think so <laughs> um, he's the one guy who's the most familiar with him out of all these other receivers on this roster right now so again I don't expect too much from him just because the passing volume is going to be fairly low there in Tennessee they're probably going to be running the shit out of the ball until they get their other receivers back but again there is room for upside here and with so many guys already being picked up, with waiver wires getting thinner and thinner as the weeks go on, this is definitely someone you want to just keep your eye out on, especially if you don't think you're going to be able to get Kendrick Bourne or Van Jefferson. Lastly, and honestly, this guy's probably owned in your league already, but you might want to make sure because he's still not owned in 24% of leagues, which I know is a fairly small number, but he's been an absolute stud as of recent. It's Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is the key focal point of this Bears passing game, especially with Allen Robinson still being out. And I think it's definitely someone just, just make sure he's owned. If he's not, throw him in as your waiver wire one grab unless you're very desperate at a different position i would absolutely most definitely spend a top waiver priority on down on mooney all right and now we got some trade targets for you guys these are some trade targets to get before championship weekend before those trade deadlines come up because i mean i'm hoping they're not here i don't know i might i got a couple leagues that had some weird trade deadlines they don't go in effect till like week 14 so they shouldn't be Hopefully for you guys, they haven't come yet. Hopefully you guys can still make some trades. And these are some guys you should be targeting. One, we've got Javante Williams. I've been saying this for literally six weeks. This guy is going to win people championships. I know he's coming off a really good game. But the Broncos know their identity and their schedule on paper is fucking easy money. I mean, so good. I, I don't have it right in front of me, but you guys can look it up for yourselves. And believe me, it is very, very good. Again, you don't really want to trade for guys when they're coming off good games because their price is going to be a lot higher. But I still think he's worth it here. He's just an absolute beast. And again, the Broncos are going to run the shit out of the ball. Next, we got Kareem Hunt. This is a guy that's in a very similar situation to Javante Williams, but his stock is a lot lower and you are going to be able to get him for cheaper than you probably will at any other time the rest of the year. But again, the Browns have a very strong identity. I'm confident with this staff. They're going to find ways to keep the ball out of Baker's hands and let him get it out quick. That is what Kareem Hunt really thrives in. He's very good as a screen pass guy. He's very good catching the ball out of the backfield, but he also can run between the tackles and do some dirty work in the trenches too. So again, He's coming off a very, very bad performance, and this could be a time where you capitalize. And he's been injured for a while, so their owners are probably pretty impatient with him. Again, they they might be forgetting how good he is and how consistent he can be on a week-to-week -week basis, even with Nick Chubb there. So Kareem Hunt is definitely someone you guys are going to want to be targeting. 
All right. Now, this may sound crazy because he's coming off a huge game, similar to the way Javante Williams is, but Elijah Mitchell is my last trade target for this. Of course, I'm sorry, guys. These are all running backs, but running backs are just so important. I think there's so much less running back depth than there is receiver depth, and I think that you can plug and play receivers a lot easier than you can running backs. So I'm focusing on running backs in this. Now, back to Elijah Mitchell. Obviously, coming off a huge game, but if you look at the schedule the rest of the way, it's very, very favorable against the run, and I think continue with the trend that I've already said with these last two guys. This team's identity is very clear. They're going to manage Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're going to run the absolute hell out of the ball, two clock, and every time Elijah Mitchell seems to get the ball in his hands, he's very, very efficient with it. He's clearly the workhorse back there. He got 33 touches last week, and definitely someone you're going to want to be targeting before championship weekend. All right, guys. That's going to be it for me. I hope you guys enjoyed this pod. Again, if there's any pod you guys want to share with your friends and family, it's absolutely this one because mental health is just so important. I cannot stress it enough. If you're ever having feelings of doubt within yourself, if you're ever having moments where you feel like you can't do it, just reach out to me. I could do anything I can to help. And if you're not going to reach out to me, please reach out to the many resources that are available to you. There's more out there than you can think, even if you don't have health insurance, even if you don't have all these things. If you're a student, your campus should have it. Um, there's plenty of websites. There's government agencies that'll help you guys out with that. And in the very worst case scenario, if you're feeling suicidal thoughts, please, 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 God, reach out to 1-800-273-TALK. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Professional Sports Talk podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. Stay tuned for the jersey giveaway. It's still going on. I'm going to make an announcement about it today on my Instagram. It's going to be over by Thursday, and I will announce the winner either in Thursday's pod or Friday's pod whenever that episode comes out. But the winner will be announced by then, so be sure to stay tuned by then. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night. Peace out.